Yeah, so you've just come here to infiltrate us and, and get us all addicted to artifact combo decks that just play solitaire. It is my modus operandi for joining the faction is to get everyone building really, really bad <laughs> artifact decks so they can experience uh-huh. what I've experienced in EDH for so many years. Yeah, I I must admit, I am a big fan of artifact combo decks. Love love an Emery, love a KCI. Um, love taking, you know, many, many more game actions than my opponent. <laughs> yeah, I really threw myself in the deep end on artifacts when I first started playing EDH. I think I, I built it Doretti. Doretti was my first uh, commander, um, and I just found a list and played it. Turns out it was, like, quite staxy, and there was lots of infinite combos and things in it that I just didn't even know how to use. Um, so cards like KCI mm. were in there, and I just would be utterly confused, be like, but why am I destroying my own stuff? This makes no sense. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so really threw myself in the deep end, but grew to love it very much. Yeah. I also have to admit, I had a slight enjoyment of the the way KCI just used rules loopholes mm. and like the, the minutiae of like, no, they do both go to the graveyard at the same time. I know that's not really how the rules of magic work, but in this specific case, they do. Because I, you know, the... the So I'm going to pay to cast this pirate spell bomb. So to do that, I'll sack these four artifacts to my KCI, and then they all trigger it. Mm. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. playing much modern when that came out. I'd have loved to have tried it. I did watch a few people really fun, quite hilariously fumble through it. At Preston, um, there's one person in particular I'm thinking. Big shout out to Con if you're listening. <laughs> he put it together in paper, sat down, and just absolutely butchered it. Like, no yeah. idea what he was doing. Yeah. And he knew it as well. He was like, I'm just trying to learn this. But it was pretty funny to watch. Yeah, I so I never played it in paper, but I did play it online a fair bit, just sort of like, farming magic online leagues yeah you get really good at comboing because you have to do it so quickly oh yeah yeah for sure to, to, like because you know i'm i'm not i'm not wussing out i'm not playing the emrakul that makes it easy no no i'm gonna kill you with pirate spell bomb yeah yeah yeah, yeah. cast yep. 10 times from my graveyard yeah you know, like, when we get to the uh the highlander tournament that was played this weekend uh i'll explain why it's a good idea if you play a combo deck on Modo to really practice actually finishing your combo um, because I did find myself in a situation where I would have loved to have had your uh, your speed and skills at, at <laughs> closing it out on Modo. Yeah, so on that note, welcome to the Faction Podcast. I'm here, I'm Ian. Dan, as you can hear, is here. I'm also here, yeah. Oh, it's so good and to Kyle have you And Kyle is here. here. Yeah. I'll be honest, I was waiting for Dan to say, like, hello or something. Oh, were you? Oh, sorry. I thought you were waiting for Kyle. <laughs> no, I was really. I was gonna be like, and Dan's here, and then Dan would be like, "Hey, I'm here," and then I'd be like, "And Kyle's here." And Kyle's like, "Hey," but you know, that's fine. yeah, hello. That's fine. Thirty something episodes in, we're uh, still working out the kinks. That's right. We're working out how to do the first five <laughs> seconds of the podcast. That's correct. Fix it in post. Yeah. Fix it in post. <laughs> um, yeah. So as you mentioned, there was a tournament this weekend. Um, the the. Guys at Plenty of Games, uh, mostly Isaac is my understanding, Isaac Egan, decided they wanted to run a tournament this weekend. So they ran a free Magic Online Highlander tournament with a Scrubland for first, which is incredible. Just cause? Why not? Uh, so we had 
six of us play, I think, in the end. I think we had six of us playing. Seven. But we also... Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, my bad. No, I think we had six. Yeah, that's right. We Trent... with six. Trent had to play out the last minute. And then people were there throughout the day hanging out. It was actually very cool. We're all in a Discord together. Um, not, like, deafened during our matches. We're not cheating. But it was very cool when I finished my match to be able to then, like, watch Nath playing and chat to people about his match and then between rounds just, like, talking shit with people. Mm. It felt almost like being at a real tournament. It really did. I got that feeling, especially in the, like, half an hour beforehand, we were all just hanging out on camera on Discord. And it really felt like, you know, when you'd go to a PPTQ or whatever and you'd just kind of all be sitting at a table and someone's putting together their sideboard and someone else is doing uh-huh. something, you know, it really had that kind of vibe. Which... Someone else is frantically writing their deck list. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then there's, like, some dude that's just way too chill. <laughs> and you're like, are you playing today? <laughs> <laughs> People frantically sucking down coffee. Yeah, yep. That's that actually vibe. one of my favourite things about the faction is the the pre-PTQ or PBTQ breakfast. Yes, yeah, yeah, that would be good if I ever did a PTQ. <laughs> yeah. Well, we did them for the Greensboro events as well. That's right, we did, exactly. We'd just go get breakfast beforehand and then it's like, I don't actually really care that much how I do yeah. in the magic because I'm, I'm here for like breakfast with my friends and then hanging out and, you know, Hopefully, also, the, the good thing about having more people is you get to cheer on whoever does well, mm. which did mean that this weekend we started out 0 and 6 in round 1. It's not much cheering. Yeah, it didn't even have that consolation of, well, at least Kyle won. It was like, no, <laughs> no, no, we all lost. Sorry yeah. to let you all down. Yeah, like, no one even just, like, yeah, lucked out. I was back, <laughs> I left the Discord to start playing my first match at 11am, and I was back in the Discord by 11.04 Having lost <laughs> O2 or lost two two games in a row um, to an aggro deck that just, cur- I mean, it was like, you know when and you know when you do one of these tournaments and you look at that kind of like shuffle up and that whole thing's already happened. You've had the breakfast, you've you've met at the venue, <laughs> you're hanging out and and you kind of you're thinking about your deck and whatever else and and you draw the first seven. And you're like, man, I hope today is just like the one day where I just, it just all Uh falls into place. (laughs) And I like look at my opening hand and I can see my first, you know, I can see the win on turn two or three. And this is going to be fantastic. And this was a case of like looking at my hand and going, that actually looks pretty good. We could be off to a cast Ragavan. Okay, not bad. Into, so I'm, I'm, I'm here playing an artifact combo deck. He's like Ragavan into, um, oh God, the Eidolon of the Great Rebel <laughs> into like, <laughs> and, then, and then in the third game, he had the same, the same two openers, but then with Harsh Mentor on top of that. And I'm like, oh, I guess today's just not my day. Mm. Uh, and I died extremely quick. Yeah. Yeah. No good. Uh, so that was that. How did your match go, Kyle? Your first one? Uh, Do I don't remember. I don't really want to remember. But... Oh. <laughs> poorly yeah well i lost obviously um all right it, it wasn't a super interesting match yeah. but you did end up 4-2 right i did yeah eventually 4-2 with the west west breakers so I mean, 4-2 oh. with the west breakers doesn't get you anything unfortunately what better, position does that put you in on the swiss uh 12 so better than ninth. yeah yeah, at about like 34, I think, or something. 
Yeah. Um, I did much worse than that. I went 1-3, and then I hung around and watched, watched one more round after that, just hanging out with people. And then I went and spent time with my partner instead. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I also went 1-3. I was glad that my last loss was to Mike Swan, um, so that was fine. Um, third match was really tight. Uh, it was against Kate, uh, who's a regular I know in the Discord. Um, and, yeah, first match was obviously completely uneventful, but the second was the one that I won, and it was pretty sweet, except for the fact that I've never actually been made to fully play out the Bolas of Citadel combo and actually mm. win with Bolas of Citadel, Zeranorb, Fast Bond, the whole bit. It took forever to get the whole thing online and to, to where I was able to get to infinite mana, infinite life, and where it became deterministic. And normally at that point is where your opponent, they scoop because you know, they scoop. But in this, when you got 25 minutes each... It really went on and on and on. And I think the way that I actually did it in the end was, and this is where it probably really helps to be like what Ian's saying, where if you play combo decks, you should really practice it all the way through and get really good at clicking on Modo. And I'm not like terrible at clicking on Modo, um, but I got it into my head that the only way that I could win would be to tutor up a manifold key and make one of my constructs indestructible because my constructs were getting like ridiculously huge thinking back now i could have used either of the keys with bolus of citadel just tapped untapped it and sacked all the treasures because i had an active hull breacher had wheeled like five times trying to find this thing so i've got like just infinite amount of permanence and then just this infinitely large construct who i finally found and it was like, I'm going down to two life. And then, you know, the, the, the top card of the deck's like a three drop. So I've got to like fast bond in a land, Zuran orb that land, cast the three drop. Like it was really messy and started really chugging along once I got down below five life. Um, yeah, so yeah. he was just sitting there letting the clock tick down basically and knowing that I'd never, ever get game two and three off him. Um, and I think the game ended with five minutes left where I hit him with like a infinitely large construct that was un unblockable um and then game two i was like well i'm either gonna just win it or i'm not so i'll put blight steel colossus in the deck i open up the opening mm -hmm. hand it's got the tinker in there tinkered immediately for blight steel colossus whacked him with it <laughs> and won yeah and i won with one minute on the clock it was like yes got there <laughs> yeah i mean the thing with those decks is a good example would be isaac egan who made top eight and was on coverage a few times and watching him play because he, he also had multiple matches that went right down to the wire in terms of time on the clock and watching him play it's clear he's not really thinking in that all of the combo lines are so ingrained mm. in his brain that he doesn't have to sit there and map out what he's doing so much yes that's he's, right he's just clicking and going through the motions and it means he can get through it so fast yeah and and look normally that would be the case but it does get really sketchy when you've sacked all your lands to Zuranorb, but you're still yeah. down at five life looking for a card and yeah you, you're playing this really sketchy like game to to stay on top uh that's that's it shouldn't have happened it shouldn't have gone that way um and if i could have thought a bit clearer in the moment um i think i was just amazed that it was all working and he obviously didn't have any interaction to to stop um but 
yeah, that's why it would massively help to practice those things. So if anyone out there is playing a combo deck, practice it, not just to the point where your mate goes, yep, I'll scoop to you because I can see it's deterministic. Actually make your mate sit there and play it all the way out to the end. Um, just to make sure you've got that last little bit of practice on the how to actually finish the game part. Mm. The the executing, yes. Yeah, because they can get real sketch. Yeah, so overall, just a really good day, personally, I think. Just really nice to play Highlander and to hang out with friends. On the Highlander front, I would say, at least for me personally, I know I've talked to Trent and a couple of others about this, it was good to play against people not in our group because I think this is not surprising given how diverse Highlander is I think we'd gotten slightly inbred in our testing for example none of us play super aggro decks yeah you know we don't play mono red we don't play that apart from Dan no one you know no one plays sort of balls to the wall combo decks either I'll play breach but I'm mostly playing like Jeskai Lurus with a breach combo in it that sort of thing so I think it was interesting to play against a wide variety of decks. Yeah, it was definitely super weird to have been playing against you guys a lot, playing a lot of, there's a lot of green, there's a lot of soup, like four colours, there's birthing pods, things like that, and then have my first opponent go Ragavan into Eidolon, and I'm like, I <laughs> do not quite know what to do about an Eidolon because all of my spells cost <laughs> one or zero, <laughs> you know. Wait, that's a thing you're allowed to do in this format? Just play aggressive red cards? Oh, I thought we were here for like, Dirtly value. <laughs> That's right, exactly, yeah. So that was certainly an interesting... Um, and I would got a bit of a taste of that by challenging anyone in Discord earlier in the week. And I had a guy absolutely wipe the floor with me, a guy not me, uh, on Modo, wiped the floor with me, 8-1 in games. Um, I think he's won four matches and I won one of the games in one match. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was like, oh my God, Dex... That's right. The graveyard can be primarily used as a thing, which is not, there's not, other than yourself playing Breach, there's not really, no one's, you know, there's no, <laughs> the only way to say yeah. Yeah, there's no Jared Goodwin of the faction playing, <laughs> you know, who you know will always be breaking out the graveyard deck. Um, so we didn't get to kind of practice against those strategies either. Yeah, yeah, for sure. As far as brewing for future decks in Highlander, how are you guys faring? Are you thinking about uh, any decks I know, Ian, you were showing me before? Yeah, so I've been... Well, so I've gone off the rails a little bit today. Uh, had a, a... You know, one of those days at work where your brain just sort of won't get in gear and have ended up just messing around with a lot of different artifact piles. Um Brought on by this realization that, well, it's so a firstly, a lot of Highlander games are won by drawing your pointed cards, especially your fast mana. Watching, especially sort of the later rounds of coverage in the top eight, there was a lot of like, yeah, it's really good when you draw your mocks. Mm. Or, you know, <laughs> or your which soul is, ring, my god. Thomas bought every single game, it's like soul ring. Yeah, I mean, I hope no one is surprised by that. You know, that's that's not news, but, um, that has made me want to play with more fast mana, I think. Um, and artifact decks, I think, are really interesting. And watching Isaac play and watching yourself play over the last couple of weeks has definitely made me more interested in those. So I've relit a fire um, and a desire to cast Crackland Ironworks. Mm. Which we'll see how well that goes. So that's been one thing. There are also a few cards, I think, that 
stood out and I'm sure we'll we'll keep talking about this more when Trent's back as well, but cards like Territorial Kavu was one of the cards that really impressed me yep. over the weekend, just being very, very large. And also the, the attack trigger being quite good in the Exile in the Graveyard is often relevant, or like a card from the graveyard, and then Rummaging can be quite good both if you're low on resources and you obviously you draw that land or that dork that isn't very good in the late game. But also something Trent mentioned to me is in post-board games when you really want to find your specific powerful pieces of interaction, whether that's Force of Vigors or Hydroblast or Pyroblast, those sort of things, the rummaging to dig you towards those high-impact cards is really valuable. Yes, yeah. So we'd played against a little bit. Uh, Mike Swan in his domain deck does have one, and usually I've found that Territorial Kavu is the difference between the games against him that I win and lose. If he gets it out, mm. I mean, it's such a beater. It's on its own, you know, it can be a four-turn clock with that rummage effect um, or just randomly hosing things like Reanimator uh, if they can't get their thing out before this can attack or into the battlefield. Oh, and it's only when it attacks, yeah, but ugh. all right, maybe it's a bit slow for Reanimator, but... You can just randomly, you know, if they've got Emery in their deck or whatever and they're trying to lure us and they're trying to get things out, you know, you can just randomly stop those kind of strategies as well. It's a very, yeah, exactly. very good card. Yeah, it's incredibly powerful. So and you only need to you only need to own fifty thousand dollars worth of jewel lands to make it really, really good to play. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. I did exciting news this week was so last week I had five jewel lands turn up. And then I bought another one this week, which is very exciting from a personal standpoint. Uh, maybe someday I'll get to play them in paper, you know. We've, we've now got, in Victoria, a roadmap to reopening, which is very exciting, I think, even though nothing really changed this weekend. Having a plan and being able to see, like, the light at the end of the tunnel is very exciting. Yes, exactly. Targeting the, the one... I don't remember which indicative date it was, but basically it was like you can have up to 10 people in an indoor gathering together, and someone pointed out that's that's a draft point. Yeah, it was, I'm pretty sure it was November 5th, and that was Alex. <laughs> it was like all I yes. read was November 5th is drafting day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but your um your mail day this week was epic. We, we often in our faction chat will do, you know, mail day kind of posts, oh, look what we got today or whatever. But Ian's was like, mail day, and it's like it's this epic, epic bunch of cards was awesome it, it was like $3,500 worth of cards it was like all four blue jewels and the savannah and like stoneforge mystic and the foil uro some other highlander cards so good so how does, a lot of money have you noticed much of a difference not having your second kidney does that does it make much of a difference here yeah, every day you know i have to cut back on the drinking a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. but it's worth it because you got the, yeah, the blue jewels it'll be worth it when i get to play highlander in person that's yeah. exactly right <laughs> Yeah. How about you, Kyle? How did you find playing Highlander? It was good. I hadn't spent much time preparing for it beforehand because I haven't made the decision yet if I want to drop a kidney on <laughs> buying jewel lands. So yeah, before there were like announcements of online events being potentially a common occurrence, it's like I'm just not realistically going to be playing this format very much. Mm -hmm. um, so I hadn't spent much time on it. And then they're like, I'm going to do online events. So it's great, kind of. Yeah, that happened real quick, didn't it? it? kind of went from no events 
to everyone suddenly playing on Modo. Yeah, which for the most part is good. It's less good yeah. if you want to play Ragavan and Force Negation. Uh, that's true, yes. Yeah, because... 200 tickets of whatever rent uh, bot you're using, which is not yeah. ideal, because in most... It's a lot. Yeah. On the, the average plan, that's already half of your rent accounted for. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because the other thing as well is that there was this online tournament, but there's been a few of us we so talked about playing online for the last two or three weeks. Um, probably like four nights, four or five nights a week. There's sort of people on just playing pickup games amongst our team, which has been a lot of fun and has meant that there's a lot more interest, which I think is a bit new. I think this team has had some interest in Highlander previously, but not that many people actually own paper Highlander decks, and there's not that many people that were interested in Magic Online, and those groups didn't overlap until now. Yes, true. That's yeah. That's. Um, I think also leading into our last lockdown, having Maze, we're doing a weekly Highlander event that I know um, a few faction people are turning up to. Uh, I think it only got to run twice before um, the whole thing got cancelled. Uh, but, but every every Wednesday through this last lockdown, I still I haven't turned it off yet. I get this message going, 7 p.m. Highlander at Maze. I'm like, oh, oh. very sad. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it is a bit sad. I still have that for not so much for weekly things. I've uh, long deleted my you know weekly basketball reminder or whatever, but oh, wow. for, you know, events that I had planned, like, this this weekend just gone was the weekend I was meant to be seeing Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, for example, oh. for for my partner's birthday in January. So yep. we bought tickets for like March or April or May or something, and then they've they've been postponed several times. And now, currently, the tickets are for February next year. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, wow. There you go. Uh, interestingly, I had never been a Harry Potter fan. I think I was a little bit. Because by the time the first book came out, I was like old. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think we talked about this. Yeah, we. I think yeah, that's right. But the update to that is that in the last, I think probably two weeks, my kids are obsessed with Harry Potter now, which is actually really cool. Because when you do, I've now kind of read the book a few times, the first one, and like listened to the Audible a few times as well, and um, you know, gone through it all with my daughter and stuff, and. It's really kind of cool. I mean, obviously it's meant for young kids and it's there's just so many cliches and things. But still, it's like a very solid, cool thing. And like one an adventure and seeing my kids on that is just really, really cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I always say I think Harry Potter is one of the best worlds I've discovered. Mm. Um, and, and for younger readers, for kids, the books are really good and for me i remember being very absorbed in the world of harry potter like a lot of people my age yeah one of the things that really struck me is like the food and the banquets and what the bedrooms are like those descriptions um i just they're all very evocative it's very cool go out and read harry yeah. potter if you haven't 20 20 years after it was released or whatever <laughs> I have at my at my work. I've got uh, up on the. There's like we have a office that's out in the warehouse, and on the roof of it is all of the Harry Potter stuff. I don't know if it was from the movies or from the 
first time they did the theatre thing here, but the daughter of the original owner is utterly obsessed with Harry Potter. Um, and she got all of the merchandise from it. And then she just put it up on this roof and it's just stored there. It's all just under plastic. Oh, wow. And I don't think wow. anyone knows that it's still there, but it's been there for yonks. So uh, one day I'll dig it all out and we can have a Harry Potter party. We'll sit him down at a draft table with us. It sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> so, so a little insight into um, behind the scenes here. This is the deck I was thinking about this afternoon. And I've, I was building when Kyle and Dan turned up to record. I was partway through building it. So this deck started out as a blue-red deck that I wanted to play KCI. So that's where it's come from. Because I've, I've sort of... So there's a few parts of this. Firstly, I've come to the conclusion that probably the four-color decks are the good deck that I'm most interested in playing. Just like what I what I refer to as Trent Pile, which is no, no black value cards yeah like all the best creatures all the best removal spells the best planeswalkers right you can sort of it's a mid-range value deck so you can tweak the sideboard to have game against everything in theory and then last night i played some games against kyle and you're playing teamer and the games were just kind of i died to questing based a lot uh i died to ragavan a lot also opposing ragavans um and i was just like you know i want to try something different i want to try something Less fair, mostly. Right. And we've been talking to Trent about how, as I mentioned earlier, like fast, proactive starts feel really good in this format because I personally, I think it's... it's The problem is, when your opponent draws their mocks or their soul ring or whatever, it's really hard for your fair deck to actually compete with them. So you probably lose that game most of the time if they draw reasonably outside of that. Right? Mm-hmm. So... Trying to play these fair decks is really difficult because it's really hard to compete with people high-rolling it, essentially. And Highlander is a lot about high-rolling. Yep, I can understand that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And the thing is, is the piece that gets you ahead, it, it doesn't even have to be the Soul Ring. It can be like Grim Monolith or one of many other different cards yeah. like that. And whenever you get high-rolled by one of those, you're like, oh, he had the card. But it wasn't mm. the card. There was just many of those, and it happened to be one of them. There's so many yeah, exactly. ways to get, you know, two or three turns ahead on turn one. So the theory then is that I want to just be doing all the proactive stuff and just not really bother trying to interact, basically. Stop playing interaction. I've also, so I've been thinking about this, and one of the things that appeals to me about Highlander is that it is relatively unexplored, I would say. That's not to say there aren't a lot of really good players playing the format and building decks and we see a lot of different decks, right? But because there aren't as many tournaments as any of the, I guess, like, official... Well, not, not official, but officially supported formats, like Modern or Standard or even even Historic and Pioneer, the format isn't sold, and that's actually quite unique. or well, not quite unique, but it is rare amongst Magic formats for the format not to be sold. Yeah. So it's really exciting, and it leads to the pipe dream of and we've talked about this before, of discovering the the undiscovered deck that no one else has found yet. Yes. Even if it's incredibly unlikely, as a brewer, that's something that's that's a pipe dream, right? Like, that's that's the holy grail. I genuinely don't think it's that surprising that that could happen. When you think about a, a format like Modern having, if I'm not mistaken, Amulet, the pieces were there for yonks before someone put it all together. 
And it was like, hey, this is now tier one. And it literally existed for the last X amount of years. And just mm-hmm. no one ever saw it. That's a format where millions of players play. I don't know. Is, is it? <laughs> I'm not a very good numbers guy. We, we, billions of games probably of modern get played or have been played. Uh, lots. Could lots be. and yeah. lots and Some lots. Some insane amount of games at an incredibly high competitive level. Some of the best minds in Magic, when they turn their focus to modern, have spent, you know, weeks and months trying everything to come up with whatever the best deck is. Highlander is already, I mean, it's Australia, almost Australian only. It's an Australian version of the game. It's, so, so you're already dealing with a tiny player base and then that player base is just shrunk even further um, by the fact that before these like online events started kind of happening, you had to have a paper version and no one can afford a paper version. And the number of games being played is just simply nowhere near. So, and compounding that, it's, sorry to rant here, but compounding that, it's singleton format. So it's like, yeah. it's not even like modern where there aren't that many, you know, by comparison, there's not that many, you know, things you can be doing. Whereas in Highlander, you've got to put multiple packages in a deck to make it work and be effective. Mm-hmm. I mean, how that, of course, there would be decks that haven't been discovered. And Ian's about to tell you about one. <laughs> yes, yes. I agree. So yeah, the idea of finding your 40 spells in Highlander, that is exponentially more difficult than finding 15-ish spells for modern or any other four-of format, right? Mm-hmm. So, partly this is me not wanting to play fair decks because I'm bored of fair decks. It's also partly that I think, so theoretically, if you perfectly tuned your fair deck, whether it's like control or Mediterranean or whatever, you could... You could probably be 55% against the field, right? Like, you know, with with equal play from both players. I think that's yes. probably attainable. That's that's probably a deck that doesn't exist yet, I would say. Like, that's maybe an undiscovered deck. Or maybe not. Yeah. But I think that's achievable. But it, it I think feels like the, that's where Soup's trying to get to. Like, yeah, right? Someone exactly. wants one of those decks to get that, that slight edge over the rest of the field. And have somewhat game against, you know, unfair decks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be able to get yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the but the true like trying to shoot the moon is to find the undiscovered combo deck that is even better than that, right? Like that's that's the if if finding the fifty five percent perfectly tuned soup deck is sort of, you know, the the pipe dream, this is I don't know, like even further than that, right? Mm. But Highland is Quite possibly the only format where it's even conceivably possible. Yep, I'd agree with that. So, so the combination of those two things uh, and me wanting to cast KCI has led to me brewing. So I started with KCI meets KCI meets welders because I really like welders. Uh, so goblin welder and goblin engineer and Toretti scrap savant and uh, like trash or treasure scrap mastery. That's sort of because I think that's, I think those, like, basically, you don't have enough to be a pure KCI deck in Singleton, I don't think, because you only have one KCI, and, you know, that sort of thing. So you sort of have to jam multiple artifact packages together, which is what we're doing. So I had that deck. That deck was cool, and, you know, it was kind of interesting. Um, these decks are a bit interesting because, the que- like, there's a question of even, you know, owning jewels, will I ever be able to play this deck in paper? Because if it if it has a Mishra's Workshop in it, or even like a Time Vault, 
or like a candelabra. It's like, yeah, it's a lot of money. Yep. This is again what you've mentioned about how the artifact deck you're playing, the development of that deck is significantly gatekeep gate kept, gate kept. Yeah, but down by the by the cost of the deck, right? It's probably you know even if everyone who had those cards in Melbourne was into Highlander and wanted to play that deck, there's probably less than ten people, right? That like legitimately could put that out on a table, you know. Yeah, and that deck's actually not a workshop deck, but it is a time twister deck. It is a candelabra deck. It is, you know, the whole bit. It, but and every incremental piece is also silly as well. You know, just like Academy is a you know, uh, and City of Traders and things like that. They're, they're just incrementally expensive cards anyway. Yeah, exactly. So there's a little bit of that question, but I've ended up with that deck. Then I I so I took that deck, and then I thought, you know what, you know what else I actually want to put in this deck. I really want to add eggs combo. So, because that, you know, sacrificing, right? Eggs is all about sacrificing your cards, putting them in the graveyard and bringing them back, right? So that, the sacrifice, I really want to do that with the welders and the KCI. So if we, what if we put in, like, uh, Faith Reward, Second Sunrise, and brought back as, like, a, a mini one, basically. And we put that package in, and that also goes well with Faithless Looting and the new Faithful Mending, which is, like, Faithless Looting, basically, again. And, and those packages and, like, Emery. So what we've ended up with... Oh, there was briefly a Jeskai Ascendancy Paradox Engine thing in there with, like, Emery and Fatesitcher. And <laughs> as you can see, this deck sort of... The deck building spirals out and out and out as you... Because every new card you add makes you think of new packages and new combos that mm. you add in. And then, you, you know, you very quickly end up with a Commander deck instead of a 60-card deck. That's right. So the idea... But I think the idea behind... Paradox Engine there was like, it was too good for CEDH and had to get banned. So you've got that. Like, even though Commander players don't have to worry about points like we do, um, you, you, you've got to look for your advantages. You've got over them. That's banned. And so is Telerian Academy in Commander. So you do have those two things to help you build a very, very fast strategy like that. Yeah, for sure. So... That's where we're at now. It's currently a pile of Jeskai-coloured cards that care about artefacts. Is it any good? Really good question. Couldn't tell you yet. I really hope it is. I have to start by goldfishing it. My guess is that there's no way it's all good. But the, the hope, right, the hope with these decks, and I've, I've had to switch off the part of my brain that looks at that pile of cards and says there's no way that could be good, right? Like, you have to switch that off and just say it's fine. I'm going to build 20 garbage decks. But hopefully the 21st one is actually good. Yeah. Or hopefully four of those decks have interesting packages in them that seem powerful. Yeah, exactly. Because you may realize that, yeah, whatever the welder package or the something package, like, wow, that is actually really good. Um, so I can now put that with the tinker package and forget some other package that mm-hmm. another artifact uh, deck is trying to do. I guess the only thing, just, just to touch again on the idea that there would be a, a deck in Highlander that is not discovered and, and would be the most, you know, would, would really kind of like tear everyone apart or just at least have fantastic win rates across the board, might be that these, unlike modern, where many people play and they're introduced to a deck and then that's their deck and because it's expensive like a lot of other, you know, things in Magic, they just, like, I am now the Tron player or I am the Elves player or I am the whatever player. And you kind of play a deck and don't necessarily, 
Like when I say there's like millions of people playing modern, there is not millions of people brewing at a high level and really thinking about what's in their deck. I wouldn't have thought. But a lot of the strategies, the most powerful strategies in Magic, which is what we're trying to do with Highlander, that kind of a lot of that has been thought through. Not It doesn't have to be by the Highlander community, but it's by the vintage community, by the legacy community, you know, where there has been a lot of thought put into, really, if you can do anything with any combination of cards in Magic, what is the fastest way to win? Like... A lot of that stuff has been, and that's a little bit of a different scope to look at deck building through rather than modern, where you're never, well, very rarely going to consistently win on turn one or do the most powerful thing because a lot of those cards aren't even available to you. So you're kind of working mm-hmm. with a, with a, when it's not an eternal format, you're working with a different set of rules. So I think the chances. I mean, they're not amazing, probably, that there's going to be a Highlander deck that's like, oh, wow, someone, <laughs> this whole time we've been tinkering for Bolas of Citadel when we could have been tinkering for KCI and then winning the game on the spot <laughs> because of all this other stuff that happens when you do that yeah. or something. You know, like, yeah, yeah. it's probably pretty unlikely that that happens. But, man, I am very heavily invested in wanting to see you succeed with this idea because... Those are the kind of decks. I mean, this is why I'm playing Isaac and Jesse's Tellurian Academy deck. When I see those decks, they're the ones that I want to play. So if you can, I'll be more than happy to give any uh, any bad advice you need while you're doing it, <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll test it for you like crazy. Because yeah, that just sounds perfect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's very exciting. We'll we'll see if anything comes of it, but. I think that's kind of my plan, at least for a little bit, is I just want to throw things together and see what's possible in Highlander. Um, yeah. Awesome. I'm really, really looking forward to that. Um, and I'm looking forward to your update next week when you're back to playing Soup. <laughs> you've, <laughs> you've, you've seen the light. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll be back next week and it'll just, yeah, yeah, it will just be like... How about that? you know how how insanely frustrating it is to have Mishra's workshop in hand and a thought not here or something like that, <laughs> which is uh, yeah the the winning deck by the way of this the big Highlander tournament for anyone who wasn't a part of it or, or uh, didn't get a chance to check it out was Thomas Bott with his uh, artifact aggro uh, big mana deck. Um, I had played similar things in Highlander for a while a couple of years ago. Um, and I was probably waiting my results from a few years ago too much after talking to some of the guys, um, the podcast guys today about it, to where those decks used to really, really frustrate me, the big mud decks, because you would either have the all mana problem or you'd have the all mana and nothing to do or the all threats and no mana to cast them problem in your hand and end up mulling down to three where you would have, or you know, to five and your five's got like, even if it's got workshop and like mana crypt or something in it, you're like, wow, all this mana, but I've only got five cards and now I've got three and those two cards are other mana rocks or like some meaningless card that doesn't get you there. So I think uh, card draw is going to be extremely important um, in those kind of decks. But yeah, I don't know. It can obviously be done the way Thomas did it was amazing. And if I'm not mistaken, can you guys confirm this? Is he the same guy that won the mocks in the last major Highlander thing? 
Isn't, years, that, isn't yes. that amazing? Through- it is, yeah. I mean, goes to show that the format is very skill-intensive, right? That's right, yeah. Like, going through two... Well, one field was massive. The first one, you know, over multiple weeks mm-hmm. to win a mocks. And then when Isaac, you know, at the drop of a hat says, oh, I'll, I'll give away a scrub land, he goes, yeah, I'll have that too. Thanks very much for, <laughs> for like, Thanks, filling yeah. out my vintage collection. Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing, I guess. Like, what an incredible yeah. feat for that guy. I don't, I, I don't know anyone who even knows who he is, but if you're out there and uh, you're listening, congratulations. And congratulations to Sarah who came second as well the games were really cool um yeah there was i think it was was it game two or three where saha's opening play was a ragavan and it got mental misstepped and it was like this right from the beginning like all the possible interaction in thomas's deck had already been used um which is to say one mental misstep uh and then it was like game on from there is it ended up being um yeah the whole thing was pretty interesting Yep, absolutely. Well, that was a good chat about Highlander. Now we're going to do a recurring segment, which is... We, we haven't actually named this segment yet. No, have we? Wouldn't it be so much better if someone had a thought of that? <sighs> this is why we can't compete with, you know, whatever other big yeah. magic podcasts there are. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's why... We're this is one. why. Yep. Um... <laughs> so we're going we've got Kyle on Kyle hasn't done this before which is that we're going to get some random cards and we're going to have a chat about them and the set we've picked for Kyle is Homelands are you ready? <laughs> I know I don't know I, know I should know one card from Homelands but I don't <laughs> okay alright so card number one from Armenket Exemplar of Strength yeah so we did actually let Kyle Carl's picked Armaket. We haven't actually yeah. picked before. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> not a good start. Exemplar of Strength. Oh, I know this one. So, a green card. Mm-hmm. It is a green card. Wait, can we give you that clue? I don't think we can. I'm just going off the time that Hoodie did it. He progressively yeah. a- added more information until it went completely off track. So, we did do it with Hoodie. I mean... To be fair, Hoodie was the worst guest we've had. Yeah, uh, Spoilers, 100%. because that, that episode's not out yet. We're, we're not quite sure when that... But, 100% um, credit to, to the Hood. To the hood yeah. and, uh, I'll be and honest, we do scale drafter, the hints slightly. But, we um, scale the hints slightly based on uh, how well you know the cards. Yeah, I'm going to say Hoodie coming up against actual GP winner and just all-round <laughs> big brain chess <laughs> champion. <laughs> like, it's, it's going to be harder for you, we're sorry. Yeah. Is it the one that starts with minus one, minus one counters on it and loses them as you cast things? Yeah, see, you already know what it is, yeah. It took me a bit. I, I remember losing to it a lot. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we want we want the, the title of the card, the name of the card. We want its type, subtype. And... We already had the, well, you already had the <laughs> name of the card. Yeah. I, Sorry, of course. At one point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you immediately get that. So long as you can remember what Dan told you, you get part yes, of the point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just turned up and wrote my name on the, the test paper. Yep. And and, and the new rule, well, yeah, it should be a rule if it's if it's not the new rule, is that if you can get the flavor point, the flavor text, uh, you get an extra point. I don't think I know any of the flavor text of Armand Cat That's why you would get an extra point, because yeah. no one knows them. Yeah. Uh, so it's one green, four, four with three minus and minus encounters, and it loses them as you play things. I don't remember what. 
creatures probably that are big. Yes. Uh, so I'm just going to give you that point. So it's a creature human warrior. Oh. But you're Makes definitely going to get it. So it comes, enters the battle. When Exemplar of Strength enters the battlefield, put three neg one, neg one counters on target creature you control. Whenever Exemplar of Strength attacks, remove a neg one, neg one counter from it. If you do, you gain one life. Um, right. And it's a 4-4. Four, four. Uh, you got the casting cost and everything right. You're definitely getting one for Exemplar of Strength. Yeah, All right. Good, good start. Yeah, that is yeah. actually a very good start. I think you're probably off to the best start of anyone who's done this. Next card is By Force. It's the Red X Destroy X Artifacts. Mm. That's right. Yeah. Vintage Vin- Fringe Flyable. Vintage Fringe Flyable, yeah. yeah. And also, <laughs> uh, John Brugman, he bought it the day before uh, Nationals because I told him it was a better sideboard card than whatever he was playing. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. I. Helping people out. Fun credits. I credit this card with my lack of moving into like the brewing world when I started playing Magic. Because this is a card. <laughs> the, this is the first card I can remember like having an evaluation thought of when I saw it and thinking, sure, it's a sorcery, X red, destroy X artifact. I was like, that, if in the right deck, in the right place, would be insane and that would be really good and nobody seemed to play it at the time and everyone was like that card sucks and i was like okay clearly i can't evaluate cards because <laughs> that seems amazing to me <laughs> but uh yes i've since returned to it uh, a number of times in a few different uh it's, it can be very good in things like edh and stuff so all right carl next card sacred excavation Returns two cards with cycling from you. A graveyard to your hand. It's three and a blue for sorcery. Uh, perfect. Wow, you... Got the cycling <laughs> I, card. I, got... I, I don't know if I'm going to do all right. You're three for three. <laughs> yeah. That, that one got... Uh, I don't know. Not yet. That one got cut from my Highlander deck recently. That's why. Oh, wow. Okay. Liliana, Death Wielder. I have never uh, seen this card. <laughs> so, plus one. Oh, so it's three, black, black. Plus one. Or is this the, pl- the Planeswalker deck one? If it is, there's no chance. The one I'm thinking of is Liliana Death Majesty, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know the yes, Planeswalker yeah, deck yeah, one. Never mind. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Planeswalker <laughs> deck one costs seven. Yeah, no. Seven, and yes. this is completely unplayable. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> plus two, put a neg one, neg one counter on up to one target creature. Yeah. Uh, mm. Meg three destroyed. Mm. I mean, that, mm. it starts on five loyalty though, so that'd get her up to seven. Um, neg three destroy target creature with a neg one neg one counter on it. Oh god! Look at the synergy. Yeah, tick up right. one turn, then you tick down. We were talking about this the other day. Yeah, where cards that are their own engine, <laughs> they <laughs> ask the question and they answer it. It's a great example. <laughs> and then neg ten return all creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. The sad one is. Much better. Wow, do you reckon this would be playable in like, uh, like vintage reanimator? You could just like <laughs> do three rituals at the start to get it out, and then use doubling C. <laughs> I don't could do uh, that. All right, next card is. I oh, say so definitely no point for Liliana there, but that's kind of yeah. unfair since it's clearly the Planeswalker pack one. Decimator Beetle. 
Um, set two black green creatures like four or five when it attacks remove a minus one minus one counter from a creature you control and put it on an opponent creature it's kind of like yeah these cards are really hard because there's so many instances of minus one minus one on them also remove up to one minus one minus one counter or something oh this is the so it's three green black four five yeah etb I think it's is it ETB or on attacks? I thought it was on attack. It's got both. I think it's I think both. it's ETB put counters on things. Oh, it's like ETB put counters on your guys and then when it attacks you can move a counter from your guy to their guy. Yeah, that's exactly I think it's it two counters. Uh no uh just one. Oh it's just one. Yeah, so when it ETBs neg one neg one on a target creature you control and then on attack mm. remove a neg one neg one counter from your creature and put it on their creature. Mm. Wow. Uh but you got most of the other stuff right. It doesn't need a neg one neg one counter to remove it though, because this came up in the the last round of the the Swiss of PTQ against my game against Trent, and I beat Trent. It's one so, of the only times in limited I've beaten him, but he he did win that game because of just being able to put minus one minus one counters on my creatures. That's very sad. Sorry, what what, what do you mean? There doesn't need to be a neg one neg one. It's like, you can, it still triggers even if you don't have one to remove. You can still put one on your opponent's creature, I think. But that's only on ETB, because the second part's ETB is on their creature. Oh, sorry, on your creature. But then when it, it's not a may or anything, like when it attacks, remove a neg one neg one counter from target creature you control and put a neg, neg one neg one on up, oh, up to one. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you can take it off yours, but I don't know. Maybe I'm mm. misremembering it. Never mind. We're going to give you 0.5 for that because that was like pretty, <laughs> pretty close. Uh, definitely had yeah. the right idea there. Partial points. Yep. I think partial Next points. Card. They're a must because some of these are so ridiculous. Uh, spidery grasp. Um, I don't know. Like, this is enchantment with flash gets plus two, plus four. That's really close. It's three mana plus two plus four. Untap it at instant speed, I think. And That's maybe right. reach. Yep, uh, reach. Yep. Yeah. Untap target creature. Really good with exert creatures. Yes. Oh, yeah. Plus two plus four and gains reach until end of turn. There are no safe paths through the trial of strength. So there you go. Uh, next card is. Dread Wanderer. Two one enters tapped. You can play pay two and a black to return it from your graveyard to your hand. If you have one or less cards. Yeah. It's oh, gonna be bad so if I got that wrong. Play that one in a PT, right? Play that one in a PT. Nice. Um, man, you have not dropped many points at all. Um, yeah, you're doing very, very well. Let's have a look at our next card. Watchful Naga. Uh, something with Embalm. Um, 
No. No. This is... Uh, afflict? That's the other keyword of the set. I guess Naga's had Afflict, maybe? Nah, it's right, pretty... No idea then. Three mana, three two, and when it... Oh, is this... This is... It's It has Exert, and it's the... Is this the draw a card one? Yes. Or the... Yeah, okay, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like three mana, three two, Exert, when you attack to draw a card. Yes. Okay, so Watchful Naga, zero. <laughs> Next card is Trial of Knowledge. Uh, it's uh, Trial, not the cartouche. Whoops. Um, so it's an enchantment. When cartouche enters the battlefield, it returns to your hand. It's the easy part. Um, <laughs> what does trial do? I can't remember. Um, you could probably kind of like half guess though, right? Trial of knowledge. Like, what do they always associate words like knowledge with? They're all divinations. Yeah. All looting this effects. Is, this is this is the blue one. That's... Yeah. Four mana, draw three, pitch one. Yep. With the return whenever you play a cartouche. Of course, yeah. So, probably missing... I mean, it's not the... Because it's part of a cycle, I, I just think we have to give you zero on this because you can kind of, like, somewhat guess half of it knowing that it's in the cycle and obviously knowledge mm -hmm. is going to be blue, so... Yeah, the the key enough. The key there was <laughs> the middle, in my humble adjudication. Yeah. And last... Card. Adjudicated that. Uh... <laughs> okay, you're going to do amazingly here. Winds of Rebuke. Um, uh, so one and a blue instant return target creature to its owner's hand and mill two. Target non land permanent. Yeah. Each player mills two. Yeah. You're going to get the point. It, you said creature was non land permanent. That's, you definitely get the point there. No one else has been anywhere remotely as close as you've been here. Like, you're just adding this up. Could be one, two, three, four, five and a half. We're going to give you one more to replace Lily Planeswalker. That was really unfair. <laughs> you can't have a, a uh, Planeswalker, Planeswalker card in there. Your last card is Colossipede. Um, green... Cost four in a green. Probably can't cost four in a green if I'm gonna say it's a six five. That would be too good. <laughs> you did not play enough limited in this set. This card was good. I, I did play limited, I just played blue. <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> um so I should have known the Naga. That was a bit upsetting. Um But that Naga was green. Oh, it was green. Yeah, the Naga was green, yeah. I, that's why I didn't know what it was. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know green cards. Here, the flavor text might help. If it is bigger, you must be faster. If it is stronger, you must be sharper. Anything less and you will never seize a place in our God Pharaoh's perfect afterlife. That was Ronus who said that. God of strength. Mm -hmm. It was really deep, yeah. That's right. Um, I don't know. Uh, a 6-5 creature that 
I suppose, costs four green green, because it would be too good at five mana. Four and a green for five. Oh. Yeah, that's it. So, although it was pretty close, I reckon you can get a 0.5, because, yeah, that's pretty close. So that is going to make that and the Decimator Beetle thing equal one, two, three, four, five, six out of ten. You are right Not up bad. the top, and I... Up there with Trent. Yeah. Actually, did Trent get exactly six, did he? I think Trent got seven. Or seven Ooh. Okay, so he's topping oh, the leaderboard. Up there. Close, though. Well, I was going to say you're at the top, and I can't see anyone ever surpassing that, but <laughs> there you go. Trent <laughs> is also a part of this podcast. I think Trent already surpassed. Yeah. Sorry. That's all okay. right. Well, you're second on there, and I don't think anyone's getting anywhere near you guys until Ian tells me that he got, like... One less than that. I think I got five also... or six. I did get five or six. Okay. All right. Well, turns out five or six is... <laughs> I guess you are asking people their favorite set, aren't you? Yeah. Like, you get to pick the set. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you'd like to be on the Faction Podcast, just get in touch. Uh, write to us at yep. Faction Podcast at... <laughs> I don't know. Do we even have it? Just write to us on Twitter. That's, that's at us. Something. Yeah, exactly. Our Twitter links are always in there. Things, the description so. below um you can jump on the podcast and have a crack at uh any set that you'd, you'd like to thank you both for coming on and chatting highlander and hum and cat this week we will be back next week as always so thank you all for listening i've been ian and there was dan and kyle and we will see you next week bye kyle bye